Original films featuring superheroes have been around for decades and show no signs of stopping. On today's pod, we run down hits like Darkman, Unbreakable, and Chronicle, as well as a few misses such as The Toxic Avenger, The Meteor Man, and Hancock. Where did Hollywood's fascination with original superhero concepts come from? Because these films aren't adaptations, are they freer to subvert certain tropes and cliches? And we end the pod with an age-old debate. Is The Matrix a superhero movie? What are your top three superhero movies not based on a comic? Hopefully we covered at least one in this conversation. And as always, thanks for listening. I wanted to leave out things like The Incredibles and Megamind because they're animated. Okay. And I feel like an animated film is different from a live action film. In other words, a live action film has to do a lot more heavy lifting. You have to do a lot more suspension of belief, suspension of disbelief, rather. Right. To believe a superhero situation is actually occurring, that these characters are real. And in an animated movie, you know, it's a lot easier to kind of, you know, convey those things and to try to make them compelling mm-hmm. than it is in live action. A live action movie, it really takes a lot more work for you to believe that, oh, these are really superpowered beings or these are really, you know, characters who are out here dressed up and, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was that was that was my intention with that. But. I'm I'm trying to think, man. I think back when I was probably in my twenties, mm-hmm. I remember seeing Dark Man, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Who? No foolish heroics, if you please. Is Dark Man. Directed by Sam Raimi. With uh, Liam Neeson, and I, I was looking this up, I had forgotten Frances McDormand is in this movie. Really? She's, yes, Frances McDormand, who I think is an Oscar winner. She is in... Right, she is. She's in Darkman. But I remember watching Darkman in the 90s, and this that's probably like my first, other than like, you know, something on television or, you know, something that's a part of a, a TV series. This is the first time I ever saw a movie where I'm watching it, and, you know, maybe like 30 or 40 minutes in, I'm like... This is a superhero movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I've never read a Dark Man comic book. This is clearly not based on, you know, a comic, which is, you know, obviously the topic of, you know, the show today, you know, superhero movies that aren't based on comics. Right. But I remember enjoying it, and I actually saw this before I saw, like, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 or any of that stuff that Raimi had done previously, and I hadn't seen, like... um Drag is it? Drag me to your grave or drag me to the hell? Um, um, his other, it's another horror movie that he did. I forgot the, the exact title of it. Okay, but I remember watching it, and you know, I'd seen Liam Neeson in um, Next of Kin. Okay, you know the oft mentioned Next of Kin. But anyway, I'm watching. I'm like, oh, this is a superhero movie, but it's not based on any from any comic book that I've ever any, read. Interesting IP, right? Exactly. Yeah, 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 and. And that was probably, and then of course there were tons more that came after that in the '90s and going into the 2000s. But do you remember? Do you remember uh, the first feature film that you saw that was supposed to be kind of superhero in nature, but it was not based on it, like you said, a pre-existing IP. Uh, even if it was later, you know, like way, way later in in life. No, I you know my, my first. I tell you what, it wasn't. It wasn't actually um, on television. It was actually. Was, it actually wasn't a movie theater. It was actually on television. There was this really strange show 
called The Sword of Justice. And it was this lawyer, not unlike Matt Murdock. <laughs> yeah, you really, do you remember y'all? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it was called the Sword of Justice show. And it was a lawyer, not unlike Matt Murdock, um, or like, like unlike Matt Murdock, who he wasn't blind. He was he he, he was a, a a lawyer by day, had curly hair, and if and he had, he had this he had this this really strange like French French um, dimple, like a French um, a mole. Yeah, <laughs> like 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 uh, Austin Powers says, it's a mole 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 mole. He has a mole on his on his on his uh, on his lip, and but nighttime he was just in all black. He had his utility belt. And he had he had a, he had a, he had a, a black a black uh, um, billy club, yo. This is outrageous, sir. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> he had a black billy club, man, and he would go met out justice, bro. Like he didn't, he, had, he had no mask. And he would go in and just, just like like clobbering people, bro. So like 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 real, real thugs, like 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 martial arts moves and stuff. He was getting them, bro. And it was like that was my first. I was like, what? This is like Daredevil, but he's dressed in black, and he doesn't have and he's not blind. So that was my first. That was my first encounter. Like a, something I thought was a, was a, could have been a comic book hero, but wasn't like a comic book hero. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. And and then related to that, mm-hmm. it was on television. This was a television show, and certainly there were television shows like The Greatest American Hero and other, you know, Electra Woman and Diana Girl and you know other things like that. Scores. Scores. Yeah. But the other thing that I remember was the show Mantis. Oh yeah, yeah. With Carl yeah. Lumley, remember that? Yeah, man. Carl brought it home, bro. It was a good, it was a good show. Yes, yes. You know. So I remember Mantis, but anyway, stay, staying with with films and and whatnot, because you know Adrian and I did record an episode where we talked about is the superhero movie bubble about to burst? Basically, you know, is the public at large and our people kind of starting to wane on their appetite as far as superhero stuff goes? Mm-hmm. And and largely because there is just a glut of things out there between television and feature films. There really is. I mean, it's there's there's just so much content. Yeah, there's there's way more than you could you know you could sit down and and, and, and absorb and enjoy as as people who like ourselves who are who are into this stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, it just got me thinking about superhero movies that aren't based on a comic, aren't based on a pre existing IP. Mm-hmm. But Darkman was one. There was another one in the 80s, and we'll talk about quite a few coming up to modern day, but there was another one in the 80s that I do remember seeing called The Toxic Avenger. Oh, yeah. You remember that? <laughs> trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tra- and they lived in Traumaville, yo. <laughs> right. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Meet little Melvin. He's a 90-pound weakling. Everyone hated Melvin. Yeah, I'm gonna take this mop and shove it down your throat. They teased him. I wanna do it with you. Okay. They taunted him. 
They tormented him until he had a horrifying accident and fell into a vat of nuclear waste. Transforming little Melvin into a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. Melvin became the Toxic Avenger. The first superhero born out of nuclear waste. Holy shit! I don't know what it was, but it saved my life. Hilariously named Traumaville, but... Yeah, man. Uh, some janitor who gets... Something happens to him, and he turns into the Toxic Avenger, and it was kind of like a, it was kind of like splatter porn in a way. Yeah, it was. It was bad, yo, because the droopy eye and the and the, and the yeah. mop and the <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he carried a mop in case in case he something on his body oozed on the floor, he could clean it up himself. You know. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yo. But um, it was bad. But the, I do remember in the nineties. Obviously, there were things like the Mystery Men. Mm-hmm. And I want to say there were one or two other uh, comic book movies that came out in the 90s. Of course, later on, Blade comes out in 1998. Yeah, yeah. And that really kind of changes the game, in my opinion. It does, totally. But but in the 90s, you had you had Darkman. And Darkman had two sequels, Darkman 2 and Darkman 3, colon, Die, Darkman, Die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think those went straight to video, but... Also, you had the Meteor Man. Remember that? Yeah, with uh, with your boy um, Robert Townsend. Yeah, always just always work at the post office. Exactly, exactly. Robert Townsend <laughs> of uh, Robert Townsend. Hollywood Shuffle fame. But he was he. Uh, everybody was in that movie. Don Cheadle was in it. James Earl Jones, Marla Gibbs. I think Bill Cosby does it like a uh, cameo in it. Really? Yeah, yeah. There were a ton of a ton of people in that movie, and it's not a good movie. One because Robert Townsend is playing the superhero. That's one. Two, because Robert Townsend played it very corny and kind of campy. Right. And it was definitely one of those situations where he was trying to, you know, teach people a lesson about community and coming together and everyone can be a hero. And you're like, yeah. come on, come on, bro. Really? The, 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 G, the, G, the G.I. Joe come together uh, um, announcement said at the end of the um, and you could be a hero, too. You know, yeah, exactly. In that yeah. same in the in that same vein, and then along with that, in 1994, was Blank Man. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blank Man. So so you have you know uh, <laughs> Damon Wayans, Robin Gibbons, and David Allen Greer, and. You know, nobody took the Meteor Man seriously. Nobody took Blank Man seriously. Right. I mean, you know, none of that shit. That shit was laughable, you know. It was. I think it was meant to be. It was, it was like, it seems to me like they, they took more from the vein of what Greatest American Hero was. Exactly. Than they did from the, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that that brings, that begs an interesting question. That's something that I wanted to ask you because, and we're going to, again, we're going to talk about some other films, but... When these movies, when these non-comic book-based superhero movies, when they approach things with an air of comedy to them, like a Blank Man or like a Meteor Man, or even later on in the uh, in the 2000s, Disney put out a movie called Sky High with Kurt Russell and Kelly Preston and, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and some other folks in it. My Super Ex-Girlfriend with uh, Uma Thurman and um, Luke Wilson. And even like Thunder Force, something that came out a few years ago, I think came out during the pandemic with Octavia Spencer and uh, Melissa McCarthy. Oh, that was called Thunder Force? 
Thunder Force, yeah. Wow. So okay. when they when those when these things have comedy in them, do you think that we like do we as 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 comic book readers do we kind of take that as camp as if they're making fun of superheroes? I immediately take it as camp, sir. I immediately take it as camp, especially especially given the the <laughs> especially given the, the 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 people they are playing it, like Melissa McCartney playing a superhero. That that in itself is is laughable, you know. Right now, maybe she could maybe she could voice one for an animated series, but as far as playing one goes, it's like no. You know, and and don't get me wrong. There are certain body biases that we all have, biases we all have in terms of what we think a superhero looks like, and hers is not one of those. You know, but well, her power, not- her power, her powers could certainly be something other than, you know, being you know that would require her to be like a physical specimen, right? But which is kind of what that was is, is I think they had like suits and things, or I can't even remember. I saw I watched like ten minutes, of it, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm out, uh, I'm out. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. But I'm but done. but when 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 there's comedy in it, I think sometimes the 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 super fan audience from com- from the comic reading world does read it as camp, you know, and read it as you're you're not taking this seriously, you know, you're treating this, you know, because we saw that happen with established IPs, exactly, you know, where Batman is treated, you know, with an air of humor, or by the time you get to Superman three, it's like ugh, yeah, you know, or um, brother. Exactly, exactly. You wrong, wrong, you one bad dude. Of course, that was in <laughs> Superman too, I think. But, yeah. um, but you know what I'm saying? Where you know you do feel like okay, the the filmmakers are not treating it seriously, and even somebody like Tim Burton with the uh, with the Batman movie, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't really taking it seriously. He doesn't he doesn't like superheroes, and he didn't like Batman. He just wanted to tell another story about a lonely weirdo who, you know, who's different from everybody else, basically. You know, Hmm. you know, (laughs) looking in the mirror, looking in the mirror lately. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But there's some others like if you if you move further into the 2000s, then you start finally getting into a little more serious, a little more some humorous, but a little more serious with something which is one of my favorites is Unbreakable, which came out in 2000. Yes. Yes. Now. Back to your original question was what was the, what was one of the first one, first movies I, I watched and and thought about it as being a superhero like this is is this a comic book you know that was the one that made me think okay this is this is like a real comic book character right it felt like you were going on this journey of this person discovering who they were becoming and to become this you know the superhero you know and I was like wow this is this is this is good stuff you know probably in my probably my favorite in like in my Shyamalan movie. You know? Yeah, I think this one and six and six cents for me are definitely my favorites. Right. Um. And and this, I agree with you. Like watching this, that watching the movie Unbreakable. Other than having like comic book things all throughout the movie, where you know the character that uh that uh, Samuel L. Jackson played, Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass. Yeah. He. I forgot his his act his character's real real name, but um. Mm-hmm. But you know he read comics. He was you know he was consumed or obsessed with comic book lore. He worked in essentially a comic book art museum, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the city, mm-hmm. uh, in Pennsylvania, in uh, Philadelphia, and it was really kind of an origin story for David Dunn, the character played by Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. You didn't see him get powers per se, but you did see him start to become the hero that you know that he could and what he was what he was meant to uh, what he's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Mr. Price, can we talk about the note that you left on my car? I've studied the form of comics intimately. I spent a third of my life in a hospital bed with nothing else to do but read. 
I believe comics are our last link to an ancient way of passing on history. The Egyptians drew on walls. Countries all over the world still pass on knowledge through pictorial forms. I believe comics are a form of history that someone somewhere felt or experienced. Then, of course, those experiences and that history got chewed up in the commercial machine, got jazzed up, made titillating cartoon for the sale rack. This city has seen its share of disasters. I watched the aftermath of that plane crash. I watched the carnage of the hotel fire. I watched the news, waiting to hear a very specific combination of words, but they never came. Then one day, I saw a news story about a train accident. And I heard them. There is a sole survivor, and he is miraculously unharmed. I have something called osteogenesis imperfecta. It's a genetic disorder. I don't make a particular protein very well, and it makes my bones very low in density, very easy to break. I've had 54 breaks in my life, and I have the tamest version of this disorder, type 1. They're type two, type three, type four. Type fours don't last very long. So that's how it popped into my head. If there is someone like me in the world, and I'm at one end of the spectrum, couldn't there be someone else, the opposite of me at the other end? Someone who doesn't get sick, who doesn't get hurt like the rest of us. And he probably doesn't even know it. The kind of person these stories are about a person put here to protect the rest of us, to guard us. Unbreakable is probably one of the, the more, more popular movies where it was like, oh, you could actually take this seriously and it'd be executed with, you know, with a level of seriousness that you didn't you didn't see before that. Exactly. Now, you told me we were texting earlier today that you actually watched as much as you could of uh, the movie Push <laughs> yeah. that came out in 2000, uh, 2009 with Chris Evans Chris and Evans. D- Dakota Fanning. And wasn't uh, Jamon Hansu in it, too? I think, yeah, Jamon Hansu was in it, too. Yeah. And, and it, it, was a, it was a legitimate attempt at them trying to give these guys like telekinesis and and telekinetic ability, mm-hmm. much which was is commonly known in and 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 popular colloquialism as psi powers, <laughs> you know. So if if that would, like that would be the suit the suitcase term for it, the psi right, powers, right, right, <laughs> psi powers, you know. <laughs> it felt it felt like they had some psionic powers, but but at the same time it was like it just didn't. As I said in the text exchange with you, it's like you have one chance to capture the audience, the audience, and and make sure that you secure them. In a place of 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 blue ability and, and to buy into what you're trying to sell them as far as what the, what the characters are, and someone on the line they lost me in the first 10 15 minutes they lost me and I, I didn't go back to it. Mm. I think Doug Lyman directed that. I'm not sure, but I don't remember who directed the director was. I'm pretty sure it was somebody along, along the lines of Doug Lyman, which is interesting because um, later on there's another 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 um, uh, someone on the list that we're going to talk about that Doug Lyman produced another story another uh, movie he produced that we like. Okay, yeah, I I watched about ten minutes of Push as well. I like just just was flipping and it was on. And I watched, I was like, oh, this is this is awful. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. I mean, when you really think about it, for Chris Evans specifically, him, right? He's not been in a lot of great movies. Yeah, 
Like yeah. he's he's got like Captain America and Snowpiercer. This movie Sunrise is pretty good that he's in, but it's a large ensemble uh, movie. Right. And then and then other than that, he's he's been in some pretty bad movies. Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four, uh, <laughs> cellular. He's he's made some some pretty awful choices. Cellular. Wow. Okay. So so what is your what is your relationship going back a, a bit? What is your relationship with the movie Hancock? Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> that's another one where it's like clearly it's a superhero because he's flying and he's he's doing all kinds of things and and this is and this was this was the movie where Will Smith is basically trying to take a mallet. And trying to smash people's expectations of him as the Fresh Prince, and as this guy who's been in these other films, you know, Men in Black and these other things, where he's cool, he's trying to smash that reputation. He's trying to have people believe him as being kind of a, you know, kind of like a fuck up or whatever. Like, yeah, like the person could have smacked Chris Rock. Let's just put it out there. But anyway. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> what he ultimately became, you know, uh, twenty twenty some odd years later. Right. You know, when I saw it uh, initially, I was like, okay. So this is the this is the the what do you call it, the deconstruction of the superhero mythos, right? Like, okay, there's this guy who has a super, super this guy has a super super powers. He pretty much does what he wants to do, which is drink beer and fly around and 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 fart and do what he wants to do and not really concerned with humanity. Occasionally, if it felt like he was going to say somebody, or he could say somebody. If someone was screaming loud enough, he would do it, you know. But he wasn't like full on, you know. Uh, superhero mode. He didn't really care about that kind of thing. So when I saw it initially, I think I saw it on television initially, and then I then they cut it up so badly on on on, on the movies in the, in the screen version of it. I went ahead and I, I think I either downloaded it or rented it or something, and I watched the full thing. Oh, you, you oh, you really wanted to see it? <laughs> I want because I was I was, I wanted to see like you know the points of origin. Like it, there was an interesting backstory that was going on there that they kind of had me entrenched or wanted, wanted me to see what was going on. So, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, I watched it and I, I, I liked it for what it was, you know, um, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like I thought it had a comic origin because it seemed like it was so many comic origins rolled into one. It's just like, ah, this is not that great after all, you know, it was great to see like, like at that time, superhero battles, you know, fighting each other and tearing shit up and causing, raising havoc, you know, mm-hmm. childish juvenile shit. That movie was kind of like, it was, it was directed by Peter Berg, who's actually a pretty good movie director. Okay. Uh, he's an actor, but he's also a movie director. But that movie was kind of like, uh, in a bit like like Marvel Man in a way, you know, somebody who they think they're one thing, but technically in their past, they were something else. And you know, he of course thinks he's a superhero, but then you find out actually, well, technically he's a god, or he's a, right. you know, a part of a, a godlike family, almost like the Eternals or something like that. And so, you know, this idea of gods, you know, superheroes basically being like modern god, uh, you know, modern, you know, god mythology or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. it, it was kind of an interesting one. And then Charlie Theron, and you know, she kind of plays like I guess his. His, you know, eternal love, whatever they've been separated and now they're brought back together, whatever. But I didn't. I remember watching. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I remember watching Hancock, and I was just like, ugh. First of all, I'm not a Will Smith fan as far as his acting is concerned, right? And then on top of that, I was just like, I, I was just overseeing things. Maybe you know, post Unbreakable and 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 something like Darkman. I was just overseeing silly stuff you know i don't want to see it i wanted to see it portrayed 
with some reality to it. And 2008, oddly enough, is the year that Marvel Studios launches Iron Man. Yeah, Iron Man uh, comes out, and, and Marvel Studios launches its, uh, you know, its its MCU, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But a couple others in the 2000s. Did you ever see Chronicle? I did. Loved it. Yeah, I did too, man. I did too. That one, and that was kind of like a combination of superhero movie and like uh, the whole kind of found footage thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you you know where you're supposed to believe like Cloverfield or. Um, the Blair Witch Project, Project trying, yeah. you know, am I watching a, a documentary or am I, you know, is this, is this a film? Oh, it's a film that's supposed to feel like somebody's just running around with a camera. Right. But um, that one was, was really surprising because I had heard people talking about it online and, um, and I was like, Chronicle, Chronicle, Chronicle. And then finally it started showing up on cable for free and I watched it. And I think Michael B. Jordan might be the only known actor that, that was in it that I was aware of. But, you know, this idea of these teenagers and there's a car accident and then they encounter this kind of meteor and then the radiation, almost like Meteor Man, the mm-hmm. uh, the radiation alters them and gives them these abilities. And when they fly, it's almost like uh, the way that they portray vampires flying in certain in latter day vampire movies where you see it from their POV. And so it doesn't look like, you know, you don't have to see strings and all of that. The fact that you're seeing it from their POV gives you a sense of realness Mm -hmm. that you don't get when you see them float in on strings and then they, you know, they Photoshop out the string, paint the strings out or whatever, or, you know, they're on a crane or, you know, something like that. You know, it it feels more first person. So it feels more real from in that, in that way. you think of the idea that again you know we've kind of been living in the post deconstruction superhero deconstruction mode since Watchmen, where okay if you get these abilities i'm not gonna like fight crime i'm going to destroy my bullies i am going to crush my enemies see them driven before before me and to hear the lamentation of their women women. (laughs) (laughs) you're exactly exactly right this more than anything felt more like that story of Marvel Man, where Kid Marvel Man and Marvel Man threw down and destroyed the whole world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like as long as things were, and they, they, you know, you had one guy, like you said, who, who always felt like he was being bullied by other people. And what this does is like it's like we say about people who get power and become and become um, corrupted, who, who get money, more corrupted. They they don't mm-hmm. they don't you don't change the person. You just magnify who they are. Money doesn't change people. It just it just magnifies who they are. Ultimately, it's like whatever you become. It's, it's a result of what your foundation was when you, when you when you were younger. You know, your temperament is what you were, regardless. So all this does is magnify your temperament, give you more possibilities to do things. And that's what this is an example of. The Chronicle is very much an example of one kid going bad and and his friends paying the price for it, you know? Right. I mean, was, it, it was, I liked it. It was great, man. I thought so, too, man. As a matter of fact, I think uh, John Landis' son. That's what it was. Uh, Max Landis is that who Max wrote, directed wrote, it? wrote it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Josh, Josh Trank. Yeah, that's that. It was a really interesting movie, and it was, it was well done. 
And I was surprised, you know, my, MBJ wasn't the star that he is now then, so he gets killed like halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, taken out by his boy. His boy's like, okay, you're a threat to me. I'm more powerful than you are. I got more of the meteor radiation than you did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, uh, he, he takes him out. But do you, didn't he shank him, yo? <laughs> I forget exactly how he killed him. I just, remember, I just remember it was like, oh, yeah, Steve is not with us anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Steve, Steve is gone. But do, do you think these films, because they aren't adaptations, that they're, that they're freer to kind of subvert certain tropes and certain cliches that we normally would see in a comic book or superhero uh, movie? I do. They don't have to, they don't have to adhere to the same um, needs and necessity for long, drawn-out, protracted origin stories. They don't have to um, get in there and do the camera pan up to the full expressive, you know, hands on hip, you know, hands on hips, chest yeah. poked out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They're free from that. And that and that in itself gives you a chance to really get in there and tell some kind of unique story that 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 doesn't like you're not shackled to that kind of, you know, imagery or idealism. I think so as well. And also, too, like even for a layperson who's not a super fan of comics, you know, and has read them for decades like we have, mm-hmm. you know, the average person knows the origin of Superman. There's a history with Superman and Spider-Man, Wonder Woman and Batman and maybe the Hulk. And so, like you said, you don't have to do an, a long protracted origin story. You don't have to uh, kind of bow and scrape to the to the history in the comics or the animation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern movie came out and my sister, uh, she sent me a text and she said, hey, she said, this new this new Green Lantern movie that's coming out. She said, Mackenzie, her daughter, my niece, Mackenzie said that uh, Green Lantern is black. Right. And I said, well, <laughs> the, ver- the version of Green Lantern that she grew up with is Jon Stewart, who, of course, is is black. Right. But. The version that they're doing in the movie is the original Green Lantern, who was Hal Jordan, who was white. Mm-hmm. But exactly. again, even as as a you know as non comic book readers, there was a certain history that McKenzie had with the character based on how she grew up with him, seeing him in the animated cartoons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, I, I I do think you're right. I do think that they are less burdened by by those things mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. But. One movie I did want to talk to you about, and I think you and I both discussed this movie in the past. We have both seen it. Uh, Fast Color from a few years ago. Yeah, see, it's another one. I wanted to see it because I like I like Gugu and Batha Raw. I, I love I love her. She's 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 awesome. But I did I didn't see it, man. I, I you know okay. I didn't see it. You know, so fill fill us in on what what it's about and, and how she um, portrays the character. So Fast Color is similar to another movie called uh, Midnight Special. Okay. That Michael Shannon is in, Kirsten Dunst is in it, uh, Joel Edgerton's in it. But yeah, Fast Color has uh, Google and Bothera and David Strathairn. And Fast Color is basically about a woman who's kind of like a drifter. She has these abilities where she has, uh, I forget how it happens, but she has these like fits. And when she has these fits, earthquakes happen, like these tremors in the earth or whatever. Yeah. And so she's traveling, and so she travels back to basically her mom's house in like her hometown, and her mom has the ability, has these uh, psychic abilities, psi powers that you, as you mentioned earlier, <laughs> where her mom can disintegrate objects and then bring them back together, put them back together. Wow. And her mom talks about, I think, seeing colors when this happens. She says, "Oh, you see the colors. That's where the reference fast color comes from." Okay. 
And then there's like a whole thing where um, the main character that uh, that Gugu plays, you know, she has a daughter and the mom has been taking care of the daughter. And then the daughter has the same abilities that the mom does. And there's government agencies that are trying to, you know, get her so they can study her and control her. Fire starter. <laughs> yeah. And then there's local, you know, uh, authorities and sheriffs and whatnot, you know, who are fearful of the, you know, these people and, you know, kind of consider them witches in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, it's a very good movie. It's actually pretty good. It's, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. I don't know if where it's streaming, but if it's on any of the any of the services that you have, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And Midnight Special is good, too. Okay. But I, I would I would recommend that. I would also recommend. Did you ever see Slight? No. Slight is very good, sir. Okay. I would recommend that one as well. That one came out a few years ago. I think I saw that one uh, during the pandemic as well. And it's basically about this kid who's like a street magician, but he's actually using trickery, like uh, uh, technology, you know, for his magic or whatever. And then he kind of gets involved with like drug dealers because he lives in the hood. He gets involved with like drug dealers and fighting them off, and he's taking care of his 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 little sister. Okay. And um and it really goes it really goes left in 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 a weird way, but it's it's a pretty good movie. It's definitely 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 worth checking out. What do you think, man? As far as these kinds of movies, the ones that are successful and that get it right, what are they what are they doing that the ones that fail get wrong? In your opinion, um, I think like you said. The ones that are successful are the ones that pay close attention to the the narrative drama that goes on inside of comic books. You know, there, there's there's a there's overall <clears throat> there's overall like like humane byline that goes through these movies that that make you feel like okay, this is something I can really catch on to. Like Unbreakable has it, uh, Chronicle has it, um, you know. Meteor Man didn't have it, right? You know, it's like we we we. It's like not to not to be not to be too too self referential, but but also you are you know well not too meta, but you but you do but you do want to have a, a sense of 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 um of believability and caring for the characters, you know, um, that that keeps you that keeps you locked in. <clears throat> like I was going to mention, another television show that came out in nineteen seventies. It was a it was a movie. It was a television movie. Might, might have been a the, might have been a theatrical release too. But it was called The Fury, and it was remember The Fury, yo, nineteen seventy. It was about this. No, it was about this young man. But this young man had these had these these, these psi powers, yo. And this is before psi powers became a thing. He had these telekinetic telekinesis powers, mm-hmm. and he was being hunted by this governmental agency or being experimented on by this governmental agency, and he, and he broke out. And he, and these other guys had to go, had to go find him, you know. And they, they sent this girl after him because he's of that certain kind of age where he can, she can get underneath the radar and try to seduce him to come back in without any kind of conflict. And something goes wrong, and he just he totally he, he freaks out. And he's and he's like he's like this is like, this is like this is like um pre pre scanners. And he's like he's like he's like, you know, when he would show his powers working on somebody, the, the person's head would like start to go gurgle and bubble and you kind of get ready to explode and stuff like that, or at least. Well, at, least right. they, at least they would bleed, right. out, bleed out of the nose heavily, but it was really good, man. It was like, and the guy they had playing it, he had this really, really um, um, strong, like, 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 um, lead, lead male characteristic to him. It was like very, you know, he reminded me a lot of um, of the characterizations of like, like um, uh, Jason and, and Mark from Battle of the Planets. The, the, the very strong, like, like, like somewhat Asian features, but not really Asian. But it was a really good movie. Really good. Mm-hmm. It was a, but I don't know if. It, from the, the seventy eight, yeah, the Fury is what it was called. 
and it was an uh, hour and 58 minutes, and it was actually a, it was a theatrical release. But, um, yeah, it was good. Wow. I don't remember that at all. Um, the only thing I do remember uh, from the 70s mm-hmm. that, that actually plays into this would be the uh, – was it uh, – what was it? It was the Doctor Strange oh, yeah. ripoff. <laughs> something mystic or uh, mystic man no, or Mo- something. <laughs> Mordred or something like that. Mordred, uh, Doctor Doctor Mordred. Mordred or something. Yeah, but yeah. it was clearly it was it was clearly Doctor Strange. <laughs> it was. It was. Yo, although it came out in the seventies, so he had like the he had like the curly hair and he had like the porno kind of seventies style <laughs> porno mustache kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he kind of looked Harry yeah. Reams ish, you know. <laughs> Harry Reams. <laughs> yeah, yo. <laughs> wow. Wow. Harry Reams, yo. Fuck, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that dude. So when when studios make these films, and obviously they've been interested in doing things that were superhero adjacent for years, but I was I was starting to think, and I was wondering, like, you know, filmmakers, uh, studios, uh, creating original superhero movies, are they doing it to avoid the licensing costs involved with adapting an established character? And I asked the question because my understanding is is that Sam Raimi, you know, who is a big nerd himself, you know, he loves horror movies and he loves, you know, superhero stuff and he loves, you know, all the fantastic things that we do. Mm-hmm. But he was really originally interested in when he did Darkman, he was originally interested in adapting The Shadow, mm. but he couldn't get the rights. And so he said, well, I'm going to create my own character. And then he kind of wrote this, you know, wrote this kind of treatment for it. And then over time and through script development and, you know, rewrites and rewrites and drafts and drafts, the character became kind of a combination of The Shadow, who would take on different persona, but also kind of like the Phantom of the Opera, you know, where he's kind of like this hideous monster or whatever. And, you know what I'm saying? And other kinds of archetypes kind of rolled into one, this kind of tragic figure to an extent. But you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, he originally wanted to do The Shadow, and then he did Darkman. Mm-hmm. George Lucas originally wanted to do, you know, Buck Flash Rogers. Gordon. Oh, or yeah. Flash Gordon, oh, right. excuse me, Flash right. Gordon. Right. But he ended up creating, you know, his own universe. And so I kind of wonder if, to a certain extent, they do do it, one, to avoid the money, but also, two, to have the full freedom, like we were talking about earlier, to just tell the story they want to tell, not be beholden to any kind of comic book lore or any kind of comic book history. I can just do whatever I want to do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and the sky's the limit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's awesome, man, because uh, you talk about um, how things occur and things become more, take on their own original flair based on those things right mm-hmm. i mean you can it's easy you, you, you just do an adaptation of what's already existing existing properties but when you discover that you have your hands tied you can't do those properties which exist already you actually gain a sense of freedom based on that and, and you can, then you can do your own thing from that point on you know right and that's that's awesome you know i think yeah do you think any of the um the characters and i mean and there's some other superhero stuff that i guess we haven't really discussed but do you think any of the original superhero movie characters that were not based on a comic book, have any of them become, quote, iconic in their own right? Like, you know, Superman or the Fantastic Four, or the Avengers or Captain America or Wonder Woman or, you know, any of these characters? I think for a while they did. I think Darkman in particular had uh, it became a comic. I think Tops brought the license to it. I think and, you're and right. Came. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. 
And, you know, I recall for several season cycles of, of, of convention going, there were dark man costume uh, people. Co- yeah, cosplayers. Yeah. And, and, and oddly enough, I think maybe because Sam Raimi has dual love for dark man and also for, you know, for his horror movies um, in, you know, in our community. Mm-hmm. So I think to a certain extent, fans accepted dark man because it was by one of us and it was pretty reasonably executed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there mm-hmm. were some funny moments in dark man. Don't let's not, let's, let's not, let's not bullshit ourselves. <laughs> it's Sam Raimi. I mean, it's Sam Raimi. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. But he, his humor is definitely, it's usually like, ugh more ghastly humor than it is yeah you know it's dark no no pun intended but right um i I mean i asked the question because you know like there are original if you go to like the action movie genre right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there are original characters from the action movie genre that have become icons over the years you know what i'm saying we they didn't come from books that we knew of or from a television show we knew of or a comic or anything like that they just appeared on screen one day and then decades later, you know, we still referenced them, you know, like, you know, Ellen Ripley. Oh, yeah. You know, from the Alien movies or, or Axel Foley even from the Beverly Hills Cop, you know, franchise. Definitely. You right. know, John McClane, Jason Bourne, Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor is an icon. Yeah. You know, 40 years later. But, you know, we had never heard. Of, there was no Sarah Connor that we knew of before we saw the Terminator movies. It was like, OK, Terminator 2, she she's a badass. Who is that? <laughs> like, that's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, to to your point, it was it was a thing wherein Sarah Connor became so much of a of a of a uh, her story became such a such a um, interesting interesting story, you know, for like a better term, that they did a, they did a series called the Sarah Connor Chronicles on Fox. Right, right. Yeah, you know, and it, to me, it worked. I liked it. It was good. Her, her, her growing up with you know John and trying to get him to the point to where he was the person he's going to be, going to become. You know. Yeah, yeah, and clearly they're. they're piggybacking off of the success of the Terminator movies. Well, exactly. You know, yeah. Right. Although that is, that could have been, it probably would have been better executed today mm-hmm. than it was back then. Cause wasn't it on a network show? Wasn't it was that a network, network show? It was network television. Yeah. 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 So if it had maybe been done on one of the streamers where they could, you know, be a little more ext- uh, extreme with the violence and, mm-hmm. and with some of the, uh, some of the material, and mm-hmm. push boundaries a bit, then maybe it, it might have been more successful. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what are your your three favorite superhero movies that are not based on a comic? Oh. Just three. And there's probably only okay. three that you could probably name, period. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, arguably Matrix is, is a comic movie, yeah. Neil's a superhero, man. Well, he becomes one at the end. He he flies off at the end, dude. You know. (laughs) But I would consider that more like a sci-fi cyberpunk movie than a than a superhero movie. Okay. I mean, it it feels it has elements of that to it, but it's not trying to be a superhero movie. You know what I mean? They're trying to be cyberpunk. They're trying to be. Right, 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 right. You know, something, I think something else. Would you not agree or, or, or do you, I don't or do you know. I don't know, man. He, the entire time is about they're trying to find the one and he, and he is the one. He believes he's the one and he becomes the one. So there's, there's that whole thing where there's, there's, there's the. Like there's a Messiah the, character. <laughs> there's a hero's journey. You know, it's there. It's like, it's there. He's like, he, he doesn't, he doesn't know who he is. They, 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 he might have an inkling of who, he, who he's becoming. Then he, then, then he, he's, he, stu- he stumbles and falls. Then he becomes who, he, who he's supposed to be at the end. So, 
Oh no! All right, I, I, I guess I'll I'll accept it. Yeah. Stretch. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> um, you know, um, three. How about antiheroes? Can we do antiheroes? Well, it doesn't matter it's, if it's a, it's supposed to be like a superhero. Mo- well, tell me what you're talking about first. What do you what are you referencing? Uh, Mad Max, yo. No, no, sir. No. no. Now, see, now you're just going. Now you're just going through your favorites and shit, yo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about this? Huh? Uh, of the movies that we've mentioned, okay, and, and the oh, ones yeah. that I, that I text that I texted you earlier. All right, all right, and, all right. and we'll, we'll 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 add Matrix will be number one. Now we'll we'll go ahead and allow that one. So Matrix okay. is, is your first choice. What are two and three? Uh, Unbreakable. Okay, so that'd be two. And what would be your third? And Chronicle, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So for me, it would be it would be Dark Man. Mm-hmm. It'd be Unbreakable, and I think it probably would be Chronicle. Mm-hmm. It'd be a toss up between Chronicle and, and maybe uh, and maybe Fast Color. Mm-hmm. It'd be probably between those three. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.